Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we're both card carrying members of the Infertility Club. Fine. Yeah, okay, let's leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> Mrs. Uh, TWW. Yeah. Um, um, all right, well, there will be more TWW chat very shortly, guys. It kind of works, but works well when you type it, doesn't it? <laughs> I like I saying it. it. TWW is actually longer than saying two-week wait. That's true. <laughs> horrendous big longest horrendous weight yeah the weight of doom the the big one the weight of doom yeah um yes okay um so what else are we here for today emma um today we're talking to the worst girl gang ever oh my god ever ever we are we're speaking to bex gunn and laura buckingham um who have recently had their book come out yeah um a couple of weeks ago I think now yeah it was it was a couple of weeks ago so if you haven't heard of them um a I'd be surprised I walked Mm -hmm. into my work lobby the other day and they was on they were on Sky News um Mm. but they they've got a podcast about um pregnancy lost and miscarriage and Mm -hmm. baby loss um and yeah it's like quite similar to bfm really isn't it they are like the kind of opposite number to us with with regards to miscarriage and and pregnancy loss yeah yeah um and they had what looked like a very sparkly book launch yeah very sparkly Spex was wearing like a a sequined one piece which i just absolutely love a lot of respect for that yeah very impressive um yeah and i yeah but i think it's you know really important as we know a really important subject to be talked about so it's great that they're doing it yeah absolutely um, and also you know they like 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 a joke we like they, a do. Joke. they do like a joke they're funny fuckers yeah yeah so, so it suits us down to the ground um so that was a really nice chat i'm mm-hmm. glad glad to be bringing that to you um and professor tim is is here as he always sometimes <laughs> As always, this season. As always, this season. Yes. Season series. Come on, we're English. <laughs> um, yes, Professor Tim is talking about progesterone. Oh, that motherfucker! Yeah. So um, he's going to talk us to tell us whether there can ever be too much. Mm, I'm interested in this. I think it's um, it's something that everyone is like, oh, but yeah. Anyway, we'll talk yeah. about it later. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be a good one. And uh, other other important news. Um, it's a big week for well, it's a big week for miscarriage and pregnancy loss because our other friend um, Pippa Vosper is also releasing a book. Hers comes out this week. The Worst Girl Gown yeah. one came out a couple of weeks ago. But Pippa Vosper's book, which I think we've been trailing for, it feels like at least yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been excited about this book coming out. Um, and of course, Pippa came and joined us um, six months ago to talk about her book, which is now finally out. So it's a good week for ordering books about pregnancy loss um, and finding a way through. So 
Yeah, I think um, Pippa's story, obviously, she lost her baby. She lost her her son, Axel, at five months, um, which, by all accounts, it's it was, yeah, it was a pretty devastating story that she that she has and she's gotten lots of her um well-known friends to share their stories of of baby loss as well so yeah, yeah there's lots of familiar names in there i'm yeah i'm for one looking forward to getting my copy yeah it's called beyond grief um and you can get it when all your local bookstores um we'll say when our book came out pippa like did this incredibly glamorous photograph of herself holding it mm-hmm. and i feel like we need to return the favor but i don't know how glamorous i can make myself look we can try we can try. We can try. We'll for give Pippa. it a good go. Yeah. We'll do it for Pippa. Okay. I could wear, so um, we are going to a festival this weekend, in other news. Um, we're going to Car Fest on Saturday, aren't we? Yes, we are. Wrapping the in- infertility crew at um, at Car um, Fest. Among the cars. Among the cars. Should we try and get photos of ourselves um, draped over the sexiest cars we can find? Yeah, right. I'll do that. I think that's the challenge. Yeah. Um, well, but what I was going to say is I've, I've ordered myself a little dress to wear oh, on yeah, Saturday. So I might wear that for my Pippa Vosper photo oh, yeah, shoot as well. Yeah, you probably could. I can't order myself a dress because I've run out of money. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I just don't I mean, me. I mean, I too have run out of money now that I've ordered this dress. <laughs> Where's it from? It's from, um, it's from a little boutique. Boutique? From a little boutique. No, oh, it's, it's a place. Is it called H&M? No, <laughs> this little independent shop you may not have heard of called H&M. Uh, it's called Les Animaux in Margate. Uh, and the woman um, that designs them, like, makes them all in store. So you walk in and she's there and she's got all, okay. like, she, like, tells you, she's basically making my dress for Saturday for me because I was like, oh, I'd love this in pink. And she's like, I'll make it for you. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I feel like I'm, oh I feel like a superstar. This is what fucking famous people get yeah um, I, i'm probably gonna wear a, jump, a dress from asos yeah okay mm. and 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 no one will know no that one will know. <laughs> mine was a bit fancier yeah because mine will look really fancy because i actually got annoyed with it the other day and took a pair of scissors and chopped six inches off the bottom oh really yeah okay this is good i'm liking this it's very freeing because a bit more knee well, it's not even knee, it's like a little bit more ankle. I just, the thing is, I, like as a tall person, I always used to love the idea of a maxi dress. Love mm. the idea of a maxi dress. Mm. Then I got a maxi dress and was like, I can't walk up fucking stairs. Because mm. I to like gather it all, like a kind of Victorian woman. So yeah. I just decided to hack half of it off. Okay. Now it's a mid-axi. A mid, mid-axi? Yeah. But if nice. you can hear crying, by the way, that's my cat outside my door. Oh, Nora. Yeah. What's she want? She just wants your attention. She, if I open that door, she will come in, and then I'll close the door, and then she'll sit by the door, going Wanted on at me. To get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that cat behaviour. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. Anyway, enough about dresses. Yes. And cats. Yes. And all things that are really not related to today's episode. Yes. Um. Should we get on with the show? Yes. Um. It, but before we do, firstly, we've had so many reviews recently, and I love it. On mm. on um specifically on the apple meow, on the apple podcast <laughs> um if you could give us a nice review we would absolutely love that because it helps other people to find the podcast um and if you would like to contact us and we've had a lot of like people getting in touch recently which has been really nice as well um you can instagram us 
At Big Fat Negative. You can Twitter us. At Big Fat Negative. You can um, email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. And you can buy our book. You can buy our book, guys. And you can come to Carfest and see us. Yeah. F to F. I mean, I don't, it might be already all sold out. I don't know. It might be. Be quiet, Nora. <laughs> um, in the meantime, please enjoy the show. Enjoy. Wow. Here we are. Here we are. You all right, mate? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? I'm not good. Oh, Thank you. No. Mate. What's going on? Well, you know, last time I was like, oh, we're a species of engineers. We experiment. And when we find a process that works, we repeat it and expect the same outcome. Mm. Yeah. This is my third embryo transfer and I've never had anything like this. I basically had my embryo transfer, which is fine, except the consultant said things like, um, I believe in the power of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Just no, mate. Not wrong audience. <laughs> wrong audience. I was like, she said, you've just got to be positive now. I was like, yeah, that's not my vibe, babe. That's not my vibe. But um, obviously I just went, yeah. Yeah. Seething. Like um, yeah. What I did quite like was that after the she did the transfer and like we kind of watched it go in and she went, isn't that amazing? And I was like, yeah. It is amazing, and I'm quite impressed that you still think it's amazing, even though you do, like, probably ten of these a day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I felt really mm. like, yeah, it is amazing, actually. Yeah. Agreed. 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 We all agree on that. And she was quite... I don't know I don't know who did it last time, to be honest. I don't know, like, what, what their status was. But she was really, like, gentle. I felt like it was quite, like, a a painless and even kind of weird feelingless experience mm. it was definitely the least unpleasant of my embryo transfers not that it's like a super unpleasant process generally I would I would say it's less unpleasant than a smear test yeah Mark, yeah I remember being a bit surprised about a little bit of pain mm. when it kind of goes through the cervix I found that a little bit sharp and, and painful yeah. but not yeah it's not definitely not like smear test level of like discomfort yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah I found it really like like quite endurable mm, this one I found it, yeah because and I was surprised because obviously last time I was quite used to having things poked into my cervix but this yeah. time I haven't had it for a while so yeah um, so thank you to, to the consultant for being <laughs> gentle and tender mm, embryo transferer indeed um, and so it all went wrong after the transfer. Well, yeah, not directly I mean, after, because obviously directly after you met me, and that was must have been the best yeah, thing that had ever happened yeah. to you. We had, an, we had a nice lunch, didn't we? We did. Um, lovely lunch. I, yeah, all went wrong is, is, um, is not, I don't know. We don't know yet whether it all went wrong or not. But um, yeah, so in that evening, I started to have quite bad cramps. And I was like, well, they did just stick a catheter into my cervix and wrench me open. So fair enough. Um, if I were my uterus, I would do the same thing. Mm. Um, but then it, the cramps just kind of persisted and I've been taking painkillers and they kind of I start to get really bloated, like really very bloated. 
Um, and then on my best friend came to visit. So on Friday they all arrived and she's got three kids. And I kind of been like, oh, do I, you know, do we do it or do we not? And in the end I was like, look, it's going to take my mind off things. Mm. So I'm just going to like do it and just embrace the chaos of three kids descending on my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, it's the best decision I've made. Like we had such a fun weekend. That's nice. Everyone had fun. Yeah, we had like a really nice day at the beach. Like it was just so chilled and relaxed. And like everyone was just in quite a good mood the whole time. Mm. Um, and then on Sunday morning, like the pain suddenly got really bad. And I just started throwing up. Mm, and like yeah Sunday was four days after embryo transfer so I think um implantation occurs kind of day three day four I think and it's funny because I I put something up on um Instagram being like "Hmm, does anybody else have this like it's a bit weird and a load of people came back and they were like, oh, you symptom spotting already. And I was like, no, actually, no, I haven't spent the weekend thinking about what's going on in my uterus obsessively. But this is kind of smacking me in the face. It's not so much symptom spotting as the symptoms spotting me. Um, well, you know, you're not you're not like, oh, is that is that does that mean I'm pregnant? You're like, yeah. why does this hurt so much? Yeah, exactly. Wrong? Yeah, I was like, am I dying? Yeah, <laughs> <Am> I <laughs> it's pregnant, a bigger, but... bigger question than, than pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I just, and like, the pain kind of moved from my uterus into my entire abdominal wall. So it felt like I had gone 10 rounds in a ring, in a boxing ring. And I like, and I was just like, goo, obviously, straight onto Dr. Google. I emailed mm. my consultant. Um, she suggested that I might have a tummy bug. Because I had a bit oh. of diarrhea as well. Mm. I just, I don't think it was that because it felt exactly like what happens when I have a period and vomit, which is mm. now happened on multiple occasions, um, which is just like the pain becomes so intense that I throw up. Mm. Um, Does that lead us to think that it's being caused by the endometriosis, which is is new for you? Yeah. Well, I, so one of, I did think that I, uh, maybe the drugs have like exacerbated the endometriomas to such a point that they've like got really big and have started pressing. Mm. Then I was like, have, has my uterus started growing because of the progesterone and it's pressing on the endometriomas? Mm. I spoke to someone on like one of the on-call people at my clinic and they said, nah. Um, they said the drugs wouldn't do that. But if you remember last time, I, this I last during my last preg- actual pregnancy, um, I was bleeding a lot mm. and the, the nurses at my clinic were like no the drugs wouldn't cause that and it was quite blatant that the drugs were causing that and that my body was just having a bad reaction to um to my body coming off the drugs um so I I don't know what's caused this and like the the bloating became extremely bad on um on Sunday to the point where I took myself to a um, uh, urgent treatment clinic where the guy was like I don't know <laughs> the thing is that when you've got things like vomiting they immediately like kind of grab onto that with both hands they I felt quite like they'd ignored the ridiculous amount of pain I was in like mm. to the point where I couldn't stand up straight and walk mm. properly um, so then I started thinking like could I have OHSS um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome which doesn't I thought couldn't happen after a frozen embryo transfer. 
I thought it was only after um, uh, after an embryo transfer following a fresh cycle. Yeah. But uh, I'm like, I Googled it and there have been very, very rare occasions, but that's when the embryo has split into like three. Holy shit. <laughs> it's triplets. Um, obviously, massive freak out at that point. Like my head's doing all kinds of things. But yesterday it started to go a bit. And today, yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm still a little bit crampy, but like, manageably crumply mm. like it's fine oh my god so you've either got ohss or twins or triplets yeah. or yeah. none of the above and yeah. just angry endometriosis yeah well my body's just a massive arsehole and i think regular listeners will know that my body is an arsehole so i think that's probably we already knew that this is news um yeah oh mate what a nightmare and it's so bad because it's like these are all new things that you've you've done this twice before and this has not happened different thing should i tell you what else i've had that's been awful and that my mum laughed at is um just like these body aches like my bones ache Mm. last night i was just lying awake and i could not get into a comfortable position because every part of me that touched the bed was like screaming in agony it's like what the fuck is this and then I I've told my mum about it she's like mm, that's what happens when you get the menopause and I was like oh okay well look forward to that mm, great yeah but mate it's meant like I thought I thought an embryo transfer I could deal with shit 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 so what uh dp fee five day d <laughs> <laughs> what day am I on after my yeah, transfer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great acronym work there, pal. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to work it out as I go. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> today is Tuesday, so it's we're six days after. Oh, six days. Yeah, six days. P. Yeah. Five. DT. There we go. Yeah. Sixty P. P five DT. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so good at this. <laughs> yeah, we're on we're on day six. Okay. Um, and and you know what? I one thing I haven't been doing is being like, oh, that could be a sign. Oh, that could be a sign. Yeah. Partly because one thing that I had last time was a lot of little kind of funny little tugging sensations on my uterus. Mm. Mm. And I haven't had any of those this time, which could be a good thing or could be a bad thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, I just you know, obviously one thing that has made me be like, oh, is that um. HCG would have started being released on like day three, day four, if implantation had occurred. I think, I haven't actually looked this up, so I might be completely wrong. And obviously I started vomiting then. So it's like, mm. Mm, maybe it's a big change in hormones mm. because I've got some new hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, 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 it was maybe. Or maybe, maybe, as previously stated, my body is an arsehole. Well, we're not going to know for how many days? Uh, several several days yeah well, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna advertise the day that i'm testing because well no but this yeah. is gonna go out oh, yeah that's uh, true time next when week, no one's gonna know when this is so yeah so i'm my official test day is sunday um i'm gonna test on friday which i know isn't advised but last time i got a good clear solid line on day nine um so and I, I it's just it's before the weekend it gives me plenty of time to kind of get over it if I feel really sad 
Um, well, that's not plenty of time to get over something, but yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't say time to grieve my future <laughs> yeah. child. Yeah, um, what do I need? Like forty-eight hours before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gives me some time. You're right, it gives you some time. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of to get myself together and mm. see how I feel, and if mm. I need to take a holiday, then. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, my boss really gets it, which is great. So that's good. Um, that's good. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, thank you for this um dispatch yeah i mean how are you mate any updates on the bomb situation or Uh, well (laughs) um well i went for a swim in the sea yesterday which i was a bit nervous about doing previously despite the heat wave because i just didn't want to get an infection or invite any of that so i felt yesterday like it was time that Two yeah. weeks past my surgery, I could probably go in the sea and it wouldn't be too bad. Mm-hmm. So that happened. That was really nice. Um, good start to the day. And today I was supposed to go and do my kettlebell exercise again for the first time since the operation. But alas, a meeting was put in my diary. How oh. dare you expect me to do work on a work day? Those bastards. I know, it's unbelievable. Um, don't they know I like to take half days on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Um, anyway, so that, so yeah, I, so in that case, I'm kind of feeling a lot better about it. And okay. so yeah, it should be good. And okay. yeah, I think that's all I've got to update on, really. I haven't got any other news. Okay. Um, bum's all good. Great. I mean, I haven't looked at the bum. Someone suggested at the weekend to look at it to see if it had looked like it was doing all right. And I was so horrified by the idea of looking at my own bum. (laughs) And and they said, what about get get Mr. Gabby to look at it? And I was like, absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So, Uh... you know, despite it all, I'm still Victorian Gabs, sadly. Ice Queen Emma and Victorian Gabs. Yeah. Um, okay, great, 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 great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking, though, mate. That's all right. I'm always here for bomb chat. Um, I'd mm. also like the entire place to know that uh, it's just started raining here for the first time in about a thousand oh, years. So happy times. Oh no, it stopped now. The earth is. Oh, okay. Oh no, it's it it no, yeah. tiny bit. I'm like, oh, my flowers, they'll be so happy. Yeah, I'm just worried about the tree out the front of my house because it's the most beautiful tree on earth. Have you been watering uh, it? I have been watering it a little bit, but it's quite there's hard. One, it's quite like, hard to get water to it. Yeah, I just want water a tree. I just get a massive bucket of water and pour Chuck it, it out. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. My garden is very much um, a classic case of survival of the fittest because I I had had uh, some flower beds put in about a week before the the heat wave started or the the first heat wave started. And so now I can do my guys just so funny. Some of them are just like scorch yode. I've been watering them every day, but they're still like, some of them are like, no, this was too much for me. Sorry, babes. But then some of them are like, yeah, I'm all right. Fucking love it. So it's, yeah, totally two halves. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed this update. Indeed. And enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, Ladies, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I feel like this has, like, been so, such a long time coming. Yeah. I feel like this is exactly the way we started when we you were on our podcast as well. <laughs> yes. That's also wrong. true. I mean, to be fair, it's true of both sides. It, it is. is. It is. <laughs>
<laughs> I also feel like this is a collab. This is like um, you know, a really famous podcast. Were you going to say collaboration? Interview. Yeah, I was going to say collaboration. That wanky, a collab, wanky word. <laughs> collab, absolute yeah. collab. Um, um, what of world famous podcasters were you? Of then world going famous infertility podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> We are top of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, well, ladies, uh, as you both know, we start all of our interviews by asking you to tell us about your journey. So oh, one of you journey. needs to go first, but please enlighten us about your journey. Journey. Should we change it to shit show or... Yeah, I mean, change it to whatever you want, but if you, you've got to say in a, like American vocal fry, okay. kind of LA My accent. Journey. Mm-hmm. Shall I start? I'll start because mine's quite yeah. quick. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We've also already did this once today in an interview, yeah. and yeah, right. Laura's is sort of forty-five minutes, and I had to sort of making stop making stuff up. <laughs> or add mine out of there. Please feel free to add any sort of anecdotes. Uh, okay. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um, checking cervical mucus. I've got so many anecdotes about. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was born in. No, I'm joking. Um, I. My, so when I was when I was like of of the age of getting periods and stuff, I, I got like one, and then I never had any more. And uh, so I was always really worried about my fertility. And then actually, I stumbled across fertility acupuncture really early on in my journey to have children Mm -hmm. um and I was booked in for an appointment at IVF clinic and I'd been fast-tracked because of my lack of periods um and then I found out I was pregnant but I'd only had sort of three rounds of of acupuncture wow um I know yeah um and then and then I fell pregnant and I know that um Emma from I remember you're not a big acupuncture fan, are you? No, I really liked having acupuncture and I really liked my acupuncturist. I just don't like all the bullshit claims that surround it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So my claims aren't really bullshit because I oh, literally yeah. went from having no periods to having periods and then being able to conceive, which I realise is not everyone's story. Yeah. Um, when it comes to acupuncture, but it was mine and it was, it was a, you know, it's a great story. I'm so, so lucky to have discovered it so early on in our journey as well. Our mm-hmm. journey. Journey. Um, so yeah, so I had I had acupuncture before before I conceived my kids, and then um I had three, and um conceived number four, and sort of thought oh everything's done and good and and we're we're all good you know home and dry type thing, and then basically I found out at the twelve week scan that our baby had died. Um, and it just ripped to the bottom of, out of my world. And I sort of ended up in this place where I couldn't believe that this was the pain that everyone felt from uh-huh. losing a baby. Because I just felt like if this was the pain, why is, why is this not sort of headline news every day? Hmm. Why does no one talk about it? Because this is horrendous. And also it made <laughs> me realise how absolutely invalidating I'd been myself to other women of their pain saying things like at least you know you can get pregnant and um at least you're young and you know all that really shit stuff I had said Mm. to people that have experienced the loss and it just felt I just felt so I felt so ashamed to have such little knowledge of my body and the experience which is such a a woman's experience you know as in Mm. something so Oh, just so visceral to go through losing a baby 
have it through miscarriage. Um, and I didn't want anyone to feel that same pain without having anywhere to turn. Mm -hmm. So I sort of started writing about it. I've always loved writing. And then, um, yeah, that's how I met Laura. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. That, that leads us nicely to you, Laura. Yeah, <laughs> there we are. It's almost as if we've said this a few times before. <laughs> um, Thanks, guys. Well, our job's done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Bex wrote about her experience and had this um, this Facebook group that she set up um, and hosted an, a uh, Facebook Live on there one night. And I remember watching it. She was sat in her garden and she was having a rant, a proper passionate rant, which she has now become famous for. But she was ranting about how shit the support network is once you go through miscarriage. Why does nobody talk about it? Why do one in four pregnancies end in loss? Yet where are where is everyone? And how come mm -hmm. if no one else is speaking about it? <coughs> Excuse me. This is the Glasto cough. <coughs> if no one else is speaking about it, then, you know, does that mean they're coping with it? Um, therefore why am I not coping with it and all of this stuff that she was ranting about and I was like yes watching it thinking yes absolutely I you know I agree and this is going back a couple of years Instagram has sort of spiraled and you know just blown up in the last couple of years within like the baby loss community but before that it wasn't quite as prevalent mm -hmm. so anyway I messaged Bex and we planned to take over the world and I told her she had hefty lady balls it's true, I do. Oh, God. I yeah. saw that. I quite like that. It's a good quote. Yeah. So we um, we started chatting and we thought we needed to make this topic more conversational. And then we thought about doing a podcast because that's the best way to make it conversational, right? Actually converse. Conversation, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was coming at it from a... I've been in the community for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Um I started trying for a baby in 2012, took us a year to conceive, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is absolutely nothing. But then I was like, well, oh, it's been a year, time. let's yeah. book in with the doctor. And, um, and I had an appointment booked for after Christmas. And then I found, but I found out on Christmas Eve, that I was pregnant. So I thought, yay, that's it done. Mm. But, um, I mean, the short version of this story is I had then had two miscarriages back to back followed by a molar pregnancy later in that year, followed by a year of nothing. Um, we got married and then I had another two miscarriages, went to see various specialists, Had my, they found out I had a uterine septum, so had that repaired or removed, um, then had another miscarriage, hit rock bottom, had an ectopic pregnancy, went a little bit further Mate. to the bottom. But mm. then saw um, an immunologist who managed to help me to conceive my son uh, and he's three okay three in a bit and Congrats. then good to hear thank you he's wonderful um, and I thought he was an absolute miracle but then I've gone on to have another four losses since him so he's like so precious I know they're all precious but it's yeah. made him more precious to me um, because it, it wasn't like I had the magic solution I took yeah. these drugs with him thinking um, not like took heroin or anything with him I mean I took the drugs <laughs> to keep hold of him and I thought that was it I thought we were home and dry and that 
And the next pregnancy, I went to see my specialist five months after he was born, expecting to, you know, bosh him out close together. Mm-hmm. And um, that, is, that is not what has happened. Um, so, yeah, he's just, it's just highlighted to me how wonderful he is. Yeah. Makes me very, very grateful to have him. How how do you keep going when you're going through that? Like, I know, I'm sure that you've been asked this a thousand times, but there's so many people listening who are in a similar position to you. Yeah, and, Like, your strength is um, insane. I think, I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure where there were, it, that was a long period of time. So mm-hmm. 2012 mm-hmm. we started trying and he was born in 2019. Um, and there were periods in that time where we weren't allowed to drive. So, so the six months leading six months after the molar pregnancy and six months leading up to my septum removal, we weren't allowed to try. So the, the emotions were like peaks and troughs or not, there were never actually any peaks, but they were all over the place. So I can't say that I felt any, any particular emotion at any one time. It was very difficult to navigate, but there must've been hope there at some parts of that Mm. journey. But, not a lot most the overwhelming feeling that I had was desperation and I felt Mm -hmm. like the only way I could be happy was to have a child and I had to just keep getting pregnant and eventually something would work or someone would take me seriously and listen to you know listen to, to to my story properly because everybody I saw just said bad luck try again Mm -hmm. it will happen and I remember thinking you don't bloody know that you don't know that, so why are you from, why are you telling me that? You don't know that. Just do someone test me for something else. Someone look into something. It's clearly not just bad luck. Um, do you ever? Do you ever, did you ever worry that it was like ha- having all those losses was kind of doing anything to you physically? I mean, my ute is a bit of a patchwork, to be honest with you. So I mean, yeah, physically, I've I'm missing a tube, a corner of my uterus. Um, I've had two dncs the septum removal and now a cesarean so it's i mean yeah it's it's probably why i'm not not getting there now i can i've yet to have all that stuff investigated but um it's on the agenda yeah um physically as in how yeah Yeah, i did i did mean that yeah i don't know i don't know if that came out like (laughs) I was thinking as it was coming out, like, does that was that coming out in like a weird accusatory way? I did not mean accusatory. No, but also, but like, like, the drugs head. that you take do affect you physically, don't they? Yeah, so, they do. I mean, obviously, IVF is terribly hardcore with the hormones and the drugs and things like that. But even just taking things like, you know, the the heavy duty blood thinners, I'd be covered in bruises, or the steroids mm. would make mm. me all bloated and swollen, and the the, the bloody bum wax you know those those side effects are not nice at all and the worst thing about them is they mimic pregnancy symptoms bastards yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's what we're always going on about isn't it um laura i'm Ooh. interested because you um you kind of shared your story once you'd had your child i guess one of the things i was wondering about is whether you ever felt you could share it when you were going through those losses because there was so many before you had your um your son yeah so what, what was I it did, just too dark before then were you in such a dark place you couldn't share I think to begin with it was embarrassment failure to um everyone else around me was was able to do it and and I felt embarrassed that I couldn't um Mate. I think also there wasn't there weren't as many people talking about it I, I would talk about it to friends at work 
um I'm a nurse so a lot of my you know my power we, we overshare typically mm-hmm. nurses are oversharers and um we, yeah we talked about it a lot with like together as friends um but I did actually I did come out of the closet before I had Bertie right. uh, that bit where I said that I hit rock bottom um so I had the uterine septum removal then had another miscarriage and was like well this is not the answer what the hell is going on this is this mm. is this is terrible um I started writing about it then um and I wrote a few blog posts, showed them to my nearest and dearest. And then one day just thought, fuck this, and just just shared it to, with everyone. Okay. And um, obviously the responses were lovely. <clears throat> um, they Everyone was super kind. And then there were lots of people that came forward that I didn't know had ever, ever struggled. And um, that was really lovely to make those make those connections. And I carried on the blog, um, then had Bertie and just just did one final blog post afterwards. I found found it very awkward writing and talking to people in this community, having had the success Mm. of having a baby, because I know how difficult it was on the other side. Survivor's guilt. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I remember Alice Rose saying that to me when I got pregnant. She was like, survivor's guilt is a bitch. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah, big time. Because I really wanted to support these people. I wanted Mm -hmm. to say, keep advocating for yourself. Keep pushing. Because if I hadn't have taken things into my own hands, I wouldn't wouldn't have got him. But it's really hard trying to say that to people who are in that dark pit that I was in Mm -hmm. um, without coming across as boastful. or Yeah, it's just... it was it was it was difficult so that's why I wrote because I thought if people want to read it they can if they don't want to read it they they don't have to mm-hmm. um, oh, I can see like lots of people have said to you haven't they that you provided them with hope I remember one of the girls <clears throat> that came on our first course she certainly said to me oh Laura's story because she'd had loads of losses as well and she was just like the fact that Laura has had a baby just keeps me going because I know it's possible after so many losses I know that that has happened and I think that's an important thing to remember as well is that you are a a shining beacon of hope to um to the multiple loss yeah um absolutely yeah Yeah, but but it yeah yeah but I don't know when I was there it's hard to feel confident in that sometimes I I didn't care what anyone been through I just I just thought well yay for you (laughs) yeah I yeah it's and it's also hard to say like you, you can't really be like, well, I provide hope, can you? Because then no. there's lots of people that won't that won't get that. I mean, lots yeah, of people, exactly. some people won't get that, will they? Bex, I'm quite interested in, I suppose your experience was slightly different in the fact that you had three kids at home when you went through your loss. How did that make the experience different, do you think? And, you know, were you able to kind of properly grieve with those? Well, Obviously, I don't. I'm incredibly lucky in the fact that I didn't have any losses before I had my first three children. So I think they're called sunshine babies, aren't they? If you if you're pregnant without previous loss, um, so I don't have the experience to know what was different. Um, but it was. It had challenges, but obviously it had incredibly, I, I was incredibly strengthened by the fact that I did have 
living children and I don't know I definitely couldn't have talked about it and sort of raised awareness I suppose in the way that I have had I not um had that support um at home it's interesting because when we experience loss right or when we like in the infertility community experience loss with like our first baby it's often um you know the the feeling of grief is you know it's there's a lot of like empty arms sensations and Mm. you know I just want a baby I want to be pregnant and it must be quite like it must be kind of almost like a purer experience of grief to go through it when you've when you've already had those babies right no absolutely I think you grieve for 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 slightly different things I mean I don't know but um Laura and I have talked about it and Laura talks about how she grieved you know she was grieving for motherhood Mm -hmm. and she was grieving for that pregnancy and whereas my grief was obviously not that it was for completing our what I viewed was completing our family and it was the baby and finding out at my 12 week scan and stuff and the attachment that you've already grown and the sort of future that you've laid out in those first weeks from the moment that you see a positive pregnancy test really it's it's a really difficult one because it's so misunderstood and it's a, a kind of grief that is really personal yeah. because you, it's all in your mind. It's all in your, your imagination. You're grieving something that hasn't happened. It's not, you're not grieving a past, you're grieving a future. <coughs> so the world is what you've made it within your imagination. And, and also because I've had the lives of my children already living out, like I imagine how that child would fit in and, all that sort of stuff, you know, it's, it's a really complex set of emotions. Yeah. But I also did have massive guilt. And um, in terms of people would say to me, oh, at least you've already got children. You're so lucky to have the children that you have. And I knew that. I absolutely knew that. And, and it didn't, it, I wasn't like, oh, my children aren't good enough for me, you know. But yeah. that's, that's how you feel. That's how you work it round almost. So you felt like you weren't grateful it. enough. Yeah, like they weren't enough. And obviously they, they absolutely are. But our baby, the baby that we lost was made with the same love and the same um, desire to have another child as all my other children mm. were. So yeah. it was, it, it felt like that wasn't taken seriously. It's, yeah. But it's the same as, it's the same as everything, isn't it? We're so, as humans, we're so, we come along with our little emotional toolboxes and we try and fix things by saying, oh, look on the bright side. Yeah. But it doesn't matter whether you've got children at home or not, or or whether it's your fourth loss or your, or your second loss or you've lost a baby and that's devastating yeah. and that's all that matters really is the fact that you thought you were going to bring another life into this world and it hasn't worked out as you'd hoped and dreamed mm, yeah and you have to unpick everything that you've planned and you have to to somehow navigate the darkness when life isn't going to be as you thought it was and no matter who you are what your situation or, or what your loss is that's really really challenging and that presents so many emotional and and mental problems especially when the when the loss itself is is trying to be covered up by everyone else with these sort of well-meaning platitudes mm, yeah. that just invalidate the whole experience and situation and you can end up feeling like your baby didn't exist to, to anyone but you and that's a really really isolated isolating place to be we do hear that a lot from people going through secondary infertility is that it's so isolating because mm. mm. they feel like they don't yeah. fit into either community yeah, it's yeah, and also it's like it's it's compounded. That isolation is compounded, and that misery and sadness and grief is compounded because it's so misunderstood that when you have when you have secondary in, infertility, 
people don't even know that's a thing. So you go to a party with one child, about two, mm-hmm. and people go, oh, when, you, when are you having your next one? Because people don't imagine that because you've had one, mm-hmm. they imagine everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. And so you're reminded of the fact that you, I mean, this is not my personal experience, but this is just what I've heard from from people going through mm-hmm. is that you're reminded of the fact that you're struggling all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you don't have children, obviously it still comes up, but it's not as, you know, it's not as assumed yeah. as it is when you've, when you've got kids. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine that. Um, you guys both talk about like, like it's speaking a different language when you've experienced loss. Love, love to hear what you mean by that and yeah just tell us about it a bit well I mean it's like a bit like like Bex has just said mm. people d- don't understand it and and like infertility loss people don't understand it unless they've been through it right it's um it's just so lonely because you don't feel like you're being heard you do feel like you're speaking a foreign language to people and they're just not getting it do you mean that they don't they just don't understand the pain is that the kind of yeah and then but then you've also got the other side of it where they, they're saying things to you that just are not coming across in the right way yeah. it's like when you go to France and you you shout louder in English it's just <laughs> <laughs> not helpful not helpful exactly that yeah that's how I'm, that's that's kind of how we've explained it before is that you know, you imagine being being lonely is is shit, but but being surrounded by people yeah, yeah. and feeling alone yeah. is incredibly isolating. Yeah. Because even I remember at, at one point someone said to me about two weeks after what happened, two weeks after I lost the baby, someone was like, "You're right," and I was like, "Oh, I just feel you know, I just feel a bit shit." And they're like, "Why? What's happened?" And that just that really really hits the nail on the head Mm. of the fact that everyone moves on and you just feel like suspended Mm. in your grief and I think it's really difficult to carry on talking about it when you feel like a people don't understand you know you're speaking this foreign language of of loss and b it makes people a bit uncomfortable and you sort of get the feeling that everyone's sort of hurrying you along a bit and like oh yeah but that was last week and miscarriage is actually just an experience that you get over and pop on mm. pop on to work the next day you know yeah. it's just a heavy period. oh my god why why does that like why do we persist in saying that <laughs> it's mental it's mad yeah it is mad and it's but you know going back to this this analogy that we had about it being a foreign language is that when you're in if you if you spoke a foreign language and then you're in a room surrounded by people that that spoke a different language it's confusing and it's isolating and it's lonely and it's sad and you feel homesick in a way you know you do, you don't know where you are or what you're doing and then to find someone who speaks that same language even if it's just a few words even if you only identify and understand a few words of what that person is saying because they've perhaps had a different experience to you it's it's like going home because yeah. you you cling to that person yeah. and you can start to work out and navigate your experience together and that is so being able to identify with someone else and their experience and their grief is so incredibly empowering i think personally and and that's what we really hope to do is to provide that for women and couples um going through the the absolute devastation and and, and isolation of loss it's just to hook people up really mm-hmm. 
like you know tinder for yeah, the I was say. <laughs> <laughs> there is one isn't there it's peanut oh yeah yeah true that. that moving on from what you were saying there advocating for yourself when it comes to loss because people don't get it because people are speaking a different language it's so important so what advice can you guys give to people who've who've suffered losses and don't have any answers as to why that is um I think well first of all it's changing stuff things are changing now so it used to be three losses meant that you could get testing done but actually some places you can get testing done after just two and one of those places is the Tommy's clinic up in Birmingham but then it's, it's a bit of a postcode lottery there's other places are following suit so that's brilliant that's great yeah yeah things are changing so that's wonderful um but also I would say from a personal perspective I did a lot of research myself and the I went to my GP and told him where I wanted to be referred to and why I wanted a referral there and how he could make that referral and then he did it um so I think otherwise they'll just go through the motions of referring you to their mate at the local hospital or yeah, someone yeah. someone they mm. trained with or or just uh, just following the usual process that's probably on the computer for them to click refer to this person mm-hmm. but if there's something more specialist going on or if you've got a family history of a certain condition um then and you think there's someone more suitable you're well entitled to go and um go and ask for those referrals um but also there you can have some tests done privately if that if that's something that you can afford so right. um that there's that avenue but also you don't have to have three tests to just have basic very basic clotting tests or um thyroid tests on the NHS just as like a, a routine blood blood test huh three lot you don't have to have three losses to have that you said three tests. Oh, yeah, three losses. Thanks, mate. Yeah, you can they're just tests, go... They're mental tests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can just go and ask for these very basic tests that can just rule out, like, the most common things. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, um, what was... Because um, you, obviously, they found... Um, you had a heart-shaped uterus, right? Is that how you describe the Yeah, yeah And so then obviously you thought that was your kind of answer and then it turned out that wasn't. What, what was the, um, you said you had, um, what was the treatment you had the second time round that you were like, yeah, this is the reason, this will work out? Um, so that was the immunosuppressants, mm. so the steroids um, alongside the, the usual aspirin and progesterone um I mean it worked (laughs) but I I don't know if that was the magic that was the magic solution or whether he was just the magic solution I I I don't know how honestly Mm. I thought yay we're home and dry we've got there this is it I was so cocky I mean you think I would have learned but I was so cocky going into trying again for number two do you know what I'm about to go into try again for number two and I am so cocky (laughs) and I keep telling I keep having to give myself a little talking to and be like stop it but, but it's completely I think that the whole what I would say to about advocating for yourself is that you know we 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 have this narrative as we grow up that we we trust people mm. who have lots of experience in things so of course you go to a doctor and they tell you something and then you trust them mm-hmm. and they've got seven years at uni right so 
everything that's worked, of course you're going to trust that because that's worked. And I don't, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, I would say just if you don't feel comfortable with what the doctor has told you, like maybe go to a different doctor. Yeah. yeah. And because I think that is so like when I was 15 and I didn't have periods, I went to the doctor and I said, look, am I going to be able to have children? And they were like, well, if you don't have periods, you're not ovulating. And if you're ovulating, you can't conceive. Sauce. And it was just, yeah. And it was, that was, you know, it's just not, it, I should have there, but as a 15 year old as well, but even as an adult, you know, I go to a doctor and you get told something and you go, well, they've got a degree in medical, yeah. medicalness. Mm, medicalness. I believe them. Yeah. No one questions. It's a learning process, isn't it? You learn, you learn what yeah. you you can and can't say and do and don't have to say definitely yeah I went to see someone after my fifth loss um I'd already seen one recurrent specialist uh, recurrent miscarriage specialist and that's obviously wasn't working because I'd had another two so then I went to see this other one that I pushed to see and he was an absolute tool mm. I went in and he asked me all of the questions and all he had all my notes in front of him but yet he still tried to put me on three times on a treatment plan that I'd already tried. He said, no, I tell you what, we'll try you on this. And I said, oh, I've already tried that. And that wasn't successful. He said, oh, sorry, I didn't read that. Right, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll try you on this. And that happened three times. And then I was just <sighs> like, what the hell am I even doing here? This, you're meant to be like the next biggest guy to, to help mm. me solve my problems. And you guys know what it's like. You pin all your hopes Mm-hmm. on that appointment Absolutely. you go yeah. into that appointment thinking you're going to come away with an answer or at least a fucking plan but mm. this guy just said no come back in two years time if you've not if you've not had any success and I was thinking I'm not of course I'm not going to have any success I've had five miscarriages it's clearly not bad luck we need to yeah. do something yeah. sending you back into the battlefield without any yeah armor. I felt yeah. so so hopeless and actually I asked him at the time I said oh I've done a bit of research I didn't tell him I was a nurse because I don't think you should have to I think people should take you seriously anyway mm-hmm. um but I said I've done a bit of research and um you know talked about the immunology thing and and mentioned steroids and he laughed he actually laughed at me not like overly over the top but he chuckled at me he was like oh you don't you don't need that you don't need that it'll be fine it'll happen in the next couple of years if it doesn't come back to me god it'll happen Um, my two worst words and yeah exactly I know a book by that name actually (laughs) (laughs) but the funny thing the funny thing about this story is guess who was my obstetrician with my son Mm. it was him is it? No. Yeah, it was. And I thought, oh, oh God, if I see him. But luckily, I just got palmed off with the lovely registrar instead. Okay, that's great. Yes. It's, I think it's so that people's attitudes towards things are so damaging because when, you, when you're seen as a patient rather than a person, I remember at one of my appointments, I had to, I'd go to the doctor and I would have to explain my whole history at every, every appointment. Oh, don't get periods and this and none of them. No, 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 no. And I remember one woman was not one female doctor as well. She was like, what do you do for a living? And at the time I worked for a ski company and she were <laughs> she's like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually planning to go skiing. Is there any chance You're you could get me, me. Some sort of discount on my holiday? <laughs> and I was just like, at the time I was just like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Here, just give me a call at the office and I'll see what I can do type thing. And I was just, it was just... Is that going to make wild. you more likely to help me in this very vulnerable situation that I'm in in front <laughs> yeah. of you? Um, exactly. And I just think that is so damaging because it just completely 
takes away any confidence and kind of trust reassurance that you have because well, you think this is a professional exchange yes, and then all of a sudden it's not a professional and, exchange and, like oh and also, yeah when you're like like you said I think Emma you just said like when you're in such a vulnerable position like literally a vulnerable position you know someone's got a fucking light shining up your badge mm-hmm. and then they're asking you about discounts on ski holidays it just makes you feel so much more vulnerable yeah. because it's not right it's not right it's just not right it's not right it's yeah the conduct is such a big thing isn't it just because it's a job to them doesn't mean that it's not your whole life because mm. it is mm-hmm. when you're trying to teach a child as I'm sure all of your listeners and you guys will know it becomes your life yeah. it's all you can think about it's all you can dream about it's you know it is everything isn't it yeah so for someone not to take that seriously is absolutely outrageous in my opinion especially within that medical field when you've gone vulnerable to someone and asked them for help okay for them to laugh chuckle at what you suggested yeah. or or ask about ski holiday discounts is is a fucking joke okay so <laughs> we've a bit ranty, sorry no that. that's okay i was gonna say we've got you nicely riled up um <laughs> <laughs> um i so i want to talk about ugly feelings um okay. i thought you're gonna ask for a discount on yeah, ski <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, i mean actually um I we were well I was in the Daily Mail recently um talking about how I wanted to punch a pregnant pregnant woman when I was walking past her and the comments were not kind did you get hatred I got a lot of of hate um (laughs) fortunately I don't read the bottom half of the internet so it's fine um but you you guys have kind of talked about ugly feelings so what were your ugliest feelings and how did you deal with them Oh. Can I just say, at this point... You've never punched a pregnant um, woman. N- no, I haven't. I haven't punched a pregnant woman, not knowingly. Um, but about your hatred, yeah. it's, we get, we've got we've had hatred before, um, believe it or not. Hatred's going to hate, 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 hate. What are you going to do? Exactly, exactly that. And the thing is, your comments about about wanting to punch a, a pregnant woman in the in the face will have helped so many people who actually needed to read that because it has just just hit home. And you've been you will have reached people that needed to be reached who are feeling so fucking shit about themselves. Well, that's why but we that's have, how they felt. Yeah, that's why we have to talk about this stuff because obviously I did not Absolutely. punch the pregnant woman. I did not do that. No, I'm not. No crimes committed here. No. And all the people that that gave you hatred for it, it wasn't for them. You didn't write that for them. No. So just fucking scroll on. Yeah, Fuck off. So go on. How? I mean, what? You guys must have been through fairly similar things. Yeah, we've had a lot of. Oh, what the uh, the hatred or the or the ugliness? No, the ugly feelings. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, for me, the the worst time that I went through was when my sister-in-law got pregnant um I I just couldn't even really talk to her and it really upset me that I I felt that way and at the time I didn't understand it Mm. um I just thought that I was a complete arsehole and I actually went to a a counselling session with someone and they kept telling me that, that I should grieve the loss of my babies and I was like just help me not hate my sister-in-law that's that's what I'm oh struggling with God. more I'm struggling yeah. with not being able to like because other people I could I could remove myself from that situation a little bit I could not go to the baby shower I could you know make lame excuses not answer their texts just 
you know, reply to the the scan picture with a, oh, congratulations, a couple of days later. But with my sister-in-law, I couldn't, and I didn't want mm. to. And mm. of, of all of the people, she was the one that I wanted to be happiest for. Of course. But I just, just really, really, really struggled. I felt very, very jealous because my mum came with me to one of my scans, my, my third scan. We'd seen a heartbeat before, and this time... My husband said, oh, well, take your mum. I've already seen the baby a few times. Oh, and God. that was when we found out that it had all gone wrong. And and I wanted to, I'm the eldest of the five. So I've got two siblings and my mum's remarried and they, he's got two children. I'm the eldest of the five. And I started trying like four years before everyone else. So I mm. should have had that first grandchild. Yeah. And I know it sounds crazy to, to think like that, but, no. you know, I got pregnant first. I got pregnant three times before anyone else got pregnant and and mm. and I just couldn't let go of that I was just so jealous it should be me why why mm-hmm. why should it oh you you guys know you know yeah, yeah we do it's we completely do, normal it's though isn't it and it's and completely. But, but then you can't until you understand that that's completely normal it's very difficult to deal with because you're also dealing with yourself yeah. feeling bad about the way that you're feeling, you know what I mean? Because you're like, you've got these bad feelings and then you're making yourself feel worse about them. Cycle of shit. Yeah. We call it the never-ending cycle of shit. The never-ending yeah. cycle of shit, yeah. And so, yeah, until you until you know that those feelings are normal and you can be like, okay, yeah, this is a normal response. Yeah, Fair enough. Do you know, that was a massive turning point in my mental health, realising mm. that. Because that, that, it was such a big issue for me. I mean, so, some other things that I did was like I, so I worked on this this unit at the hospital with loads of other women, and I would hear people announcing their pregnancy to to their friends or to everyone at the nurses station, and and I would just completely ignore it as if I'd never heard it, and I'd work the whole the rest of that twelve hour shift without without mentioning it because I, I couldn't mm. I couldn't find the words and I couldn't fake fake this response, Happiness. so I just ignored it. But then I got good, or I thought I'd got good at. Um, these responses but they it came out as like this overwhelming over the top jazz hands congratulations (laughs) (laughs) so then I just thought oh god I need to I need to find a way of dealing with this (laughs) make this more natural (laughs) 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 I do I do love that feeling of just like I still get it now when someone announces their pregnancy and I'm not prepared I go Mm. like quite wooden like a marionette Yes. Like I can't, I'm like in my head being like, this is how a normal person responds to this. <laughs> yes, I can't do that. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. But yeah. like I said, when I, when I realised that these feelings are normal and actually anyone else who's in these situations does have elements of jealousy and, and anger and resentment, um, it was just a massive turning point for me. And I'll tell you how I realised it was just from, talking to other people who were going through the same shit so on mm-hmm. Facebook groups yeah. it was at the time um, back in the day mm-hmm. and I just you know wrote a message not in not really telling them my true feelings but just testing the waters how mm. is this going to go down mm-hmm. and actually the, the people coming back at me were like oh my god me too I fucking hate my so-and-so and I can't stand her I can't I can't be around them and this is I feel really sad I feel really lonely envious all of that and yeah. I was like okay this is completely normal that's fine so now what I can do is I can get these feelings accept them for being normal and park them and just 
and just move on with life. I don't have to then go into the self-hatred cycle. I can just accept them and let them just sit, just sit there with me, carry them around with me, but I don't have to let it spiral. Yeah, I think I think just owning your feelings as well, mm. just being like, okay, I really hate like my family member or my friend who's pregnant. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to get over this, but right now this is how I feel. Yeah. It's really hard, though, to verbalise these feelings to mm. anyone who hasn't been through it. Yeah. Even like even my husband, yeah. I would say stuff to him. He gets it now because yeah. we've talked about it so much over the years. But to begin with, he, he was like, oh, come on. Can't you just be happy for them? It doesn't, it's not affecting you. It's not. It's not, not got anything to do with us. It's you know we're can, we're still going to have a baby. Don't worry. Um, but yeah. I think the safe place is with with people that that get it. On the courses that we run, we have um, weekly drop ins and in the breakout rooms, whatever we set up all these um, topics to for discussions in different breakout rooms. So whatever room you go into we go and pop in and say hi and chat about halfway through and whatever room you go in they're always talking about the uglies always <laughs> <laughs> they could start off with any topic but they end up with the ugly feelings it's just it's like the most unspoken part yeah. isn't it it's like, yeah it is it's you have... something that no one will ever like comprehend as part of, of loss and infertility uh, because it's not the you know it's not the actual the thing but it's the aftermath it's the, it's the shit surrounding it yeah you have to be really careful who you say it to mm. yeah which is yeah. rubbish not the daily mail not the daily mail no <laughs> well i think i think more good than harm there now ladies i spotted this quote in your book which i've very kindly had a, a pdf of um on the darkest days i wear the brightest lipstick from charla grant the Grateful Hearts Club. Like me and Emma are big advocates of the bright lipstick on the dark day, mm-hmm. on any day, but especially on the darkest day. Um, how do you guys think that helps? Oh, do you know the fake it till you make it? Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's fake it till you make it, but I also think it's a bit of self love. Mm. It's a bit of look. I feel like shit. What can I do that is nice for myself? I'm going to have a really nice shower. I'm going to put use a face mask. I'm going to put makeup on because that is an it's a it's a nice looking looking aftery type self care thing. I that's how I feel about it. So that's what I would say. And I think when you're taking care of yourself, you will feel better, even if you don't want to feel better. You if you're if you're getting enough sleep or you know you're sleeping and you're getting outside and stuff, and you know that you're ticking all the boxes you need to tick to be taking care of yourself it's almost like one less thing to feel shit about yeah. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. I'll tell you what Charla would say as well when she um said that quote um she said that when she wears bright lipstick she never fails to get a compliment and just even though she knows that she's got the compliment because she's got a lippy on it just makes her feel that little bit better about herself yeah absolutely and yeah. also Charla is amazing at the Grateful Hearts Club you should look her up, people. Um, she's fantastic. And she would be great for your podcast. She's, she's got a hell of a story. Brilliant. Well, thanks for the tip. And yeah. uh, listen, we're going to wrap this up now. But obviously, um, you guys are here because we love you. But you'll also be here because you've got a book coming out. Yeah. Give us a quick plug for the book. 
um you should definitely read it <laughs> you guys should like read it yeah i think you should buy purchase it pre order <laughs> yeah right now it's called the worst girl gang ever and it's a survival guide for navigating miscarriage and pregnancy loss and the way we kind of like to think of it is the the book what to expect if you're expecting it's like what to expect if you're no longer expecting mm-hmm. and it's just full of stories and airy fairy quotes and passionate positive rants. kind of af- passionate rants affirmation it's like a fucking massive cuddle in a book brilliant yeah. and Excellent. the audio book's pretty good as well <laughs> so, did you guys have a lot of fun recording yours <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah we did. once i got over how shit i was at reading words off a page <laughs> Who knew? It's so difficult to read out loud. I was just making up words. Bex kept correcting me. I was just making up words that weren't even there. And I was so certain that... She's not allowed during an audio book. (laughs) Were you you doing it together? We had to do it separately. We were separated. Oh, Oh, we we went on jolly. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no, we were alone. But Laura had to talk about masturbation. <laughs> no, I didn't. Had to... I had to talk about well, I had to talk about genitals and pleasuring yourself. Genitals. So basically, masturbation. We had um, we had a really young male sound engineer, and I had to talk about clots, menstrual. Oh, nice. And he, I, he yeah. was like, I'm learning a lot. He learned a lot. <laughs> he definitely did. Well, Bex got kicked out of the room when I started talking about genitals because she was like a naughty schoolgirl. Couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. Oh, come on, genitals is a funny word. <laughs> it's, a, it's objectively a funny word. Um, so when when's it coming out? Where can people get it? The fourth of August. Cool. On Amazon or like Waterstones or other bookie bookshops. All the best bookie bookshops. Amazing guys. All the best bookshops. Well, brilliant girls. Well, listen. Thank you for coming and sharing your journeys. And um, yeah, best of luck with the book. I'm sure it'll go brilliantly. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now it's time for IVF. IVF. Oh my God. This is an important one, I think. Yeah, this is a subject close to my heart at the moment, to be honest. Yes, yeah. Are you, you, you're progesteroning. Yeah, and like obviously we've uh, we've had many conversations about up the bum or up the foof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm too freaked out by the bum. Oh, so am I. Mm, I can't. Do we it. actually talked about this in the episode, didn't we? Yeah, like I just can't deal with it, so I haven't done that. No, um, me neither. So yeah, I mean, that I mean that's the first debate. The second debate is, can you have too much? And you know, there's been a lot of research um, into whether progesterone could help kind of reduce miscarriage rates. So. Mm-hmm. There's been a little bit of research suggesting that, you know, there's quite a few miscarriages that could be prevented if the um, person was taking progesterone supplements. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people with a lot of theories, I think. And it's like even between the two of us, I had progesterone, pessaries and injections. Yes, you whereas did. you've never done injections, have you? I'm lucky enough to say that I've never done injections, although I have taken industrial qual- quantities of estrogen. So, you know. Yes, yes, that's where you're making up the drug quota <laughs> yeah but crucially but, not injected no no that's a good thing but um but yeah so it is a really interesting one and obviously we wanted to put it to Professor tim to see what he had to say mm-hmm. and uh here it is so during a normal menstrual cycle estrogen is the dominant hormone in the first half of the menstrual cycle before ovulation and then progesterone 
is dominant in the second half. Estrogen comes from the follicles where the uh, egg is maturing. And then progesterone also comes from the follicles. It comes from the corpus luteum. And it's progesterone that prepares the endometrium, so the lining of the uterus, and gets it ready for implantation. Um, and it, and um, it helps support implantation. So it's important, it was vital that, that there is progesterone. Now, during a normal IVF cycle, your own progesterone production is not very good uh, because of all the drugs that are given during the stimulated IVF cycle. And that's why it's completely standard to give progesterone uh, pessaries or sometimes injections. But in the UK, it's normally given by pessaries. Um, during a, uh, a frozen cycle, during a medicated frozen cycle, your body's own ability to produce progesterone is switched off, and so it is important that progesterone is given. During a natural frozen cycle, where you actually do ovulate, and so your follicles are producing progesterone, then many clinics don't give any extra progesterone, and here at Oxford, TFP Oxford, we don't. But some clinics will, they're on the side of caution, and will give some progesterone on top. So um, it is important that there is progesterone, as I said. Usually, um, your own progesterone production is switched off or is suboptimal during fertility treatments, so an IVF cycle or a medicated frozen. But during a natural frozen, you may be producing your own sufficient progesterone. So therefore, we routinely give progesterone in a fresh IVF cycle or a medicated frozen cycle. Now, the question is, can you have too much progesterone? And I think it's fair to say um, that is possible, but I don't think anyone knows what the maximum amount should be. It's quite a hot topic research area at the moment, whether there's a minimum amount of progesterone that women should have um, around the time of embryo transfer and whether it's worth checking progesterone levels by a blood test um, or not. The problem is, is that no one really knows what the optimal levels might be and also it's not really known whether um, uh, how's best to give progesterone to try and top things up as well. In terms of too much progesterone then I guess that is possible but I think most clinics would not be giving so much progesterone. So I think often doses of sort of 600, 800, 1200 milligrams a day of vaginal progesterone um, or some uh, Lubion subcutaneous injection 25 um, to 50 milligrams, sometimes combined with vaginal, would be fairly standard. In the bag, through the hoop, slam dunk. There we go, lads. I hope that was a good episode for you. It was a good episode for me. Um, I think you need to start with the sports language because I don't really understand any of it. Did you not get that? It confuses me and frightens me. Oh, come on, Emma. Come on. <laughs> get with the programme. Um, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very good. And um, thank you, as always, to our lovely guests, Bex and Laura. Yes. Thank you to Professor Tim. Thank you to you, Emma. Oh, and thank you to you. Thank you. You brought us a very... Um, very emotional side of, of your story today so thank you for sharing okay annoying side of my story more like mm. um, um, but yeah uh, or I think it's a good episode it's a banger it is a banger um, and obviously next week's going to be a banger too yes because we are speaking to Erin Holland Erin Holland if you don't know who Erin Holland is look her up on Instagram she is hot 
Oh my god, she's hot. I can't deal with it. She is an Australian presenter slash media person in general. Hot, hot person. Married mm-hmm. to a big crit- cricketer. Yeah. Um, and she's going to share our sto- her story. Not our story. Just hers. Just hers. I don't think yeah. she... We didn't ask her to share ours as well. Yeah, we'll do our own story. Hers is kind of enough. <laughs> big deal anyway so yeah tune in for that one it's gonna be really good we'll give you updates and of course um we'll be chatting to emma next week yay about how it all ended so um have a good week guys lots of love and see you next tuesday see you next tuesday bye bye